0: Okay, so next up, the game that we have been waiting all year. Even before the season started, we've been hyped up about this matchup. We have 12-0 Georgia taking on 11-1 Alabama in the SEC Championship game. Georgia is a a 6.5-point favorite going into this game. This game is going to kick off 4 p.m. Eastern time on CBS. I have been waiting for this matchup. All year. Now, Bama fans are going to say, JT, you know what Bama has done against Georgia the previous times they've played. And I'm going to tell you, I don't care what Alabama has done to Georgia the previous times they've played. Because what Alabama has done to Georgia in the past has nothing to do with the game that's going to be played this Saturday. So, Georgia clobbered Georgia Tech. 45-0 as expected. But Alabama just got out of a grueling, slobber knocker of a game of our iron ball against Auburn 24-22. The game went to four overtimes. Now, I was watching this game in the first quarter because initially I was watching the Penn State and Michigan State game but I thought that Michigan State was going to end up blowing out Penn State that didn't happen Penn State ended up coming back and making in the game but I was just so intrigued in this Iron Bowl because the score was zero to zero and I was like okay when is Alabama going to show us why they're one of the best teams in college football And that didn't really happen until the fourth quarter when it seemed like all loss were stacked against them. They drive down the field, tie the game up, send it to overtime, and then it goes to four overtime periods before they're finally able to come out with the victory. And remind you, Alabama lost their best player on offense and wide receiver Jamison Williams to a targeted penalty, which adds even more drama to this game. And then... Alabama seemed like they couldn't block anybody for Auburn's defensive line. And that leads me to my first point is Alabama's offensive line versus the defensive line of Georgia. Alabama gave up seven sacks last week against Auburn. And this isn't the first time that the offensive line for Auburn, well, for Alabama, excuse me, has been under fire. Like, we know for the whole entire season that the offensive line for Alabama hasn't really been the offensive lines that we're normally accustomed to seeing as a matter of fact this is probably the worst offensive line that Alabama has ever had under Nick Saban which makes this a really bad matchup in the trenches because we know what Georgia has been doing to teams all this year they've been mauling guys you got this freak of nature called Jordan Davis which I call him a Wolverine he's like somebody that you make off a creative player what is he six five six six three hundred and forty pounds probably runs like a four eight four nine like how the hell do you block this guy and if you're nick saban how do you game plan for this and i think that nick saban understands that this alabama team is at a disadvantage to a front And I think that Nick Saban understands that this isn't the best Alabama team that he's had. As a matter of fact, this is probably one of the worst teams that he's had so far, which is why he kind of has, you know, kind of went about his post-game press conferences the way he has because they barely escaped the way against Auburn. And in the post-game press conference, you know, he was proud of his guys because they fought and they fought hard when it seemed like all the odds were against them. And I understand that you you test how good your team is when they face adversity. And Alabama faced a lot of adversity. And they're going to be facing a lot of adversity this Saturday when you're asking this offensive line to block these monsters led by Jordan Davis. Now, everybody's going to say, well, a lot lot of Alabama fans going to say, JT, you know this game is going to come down to Stetson Bennett. Is Stetson Bennett good enough to beat an elite team like Alabama? And this has been the narrative with Stetson Bennett all this year. Is Stetson Bennett good enough to get Georgia over the top? Can Georgia win a national championship with Stetson Bennett? And is Stetson Bennett good enough to beat Alabama? That depends on how much Stetson Bennett is asked to do. If Stetson Bennett has to only throw the ball 20 or 19 times like he pretty much has had to done in pretty much every single game that Georgia has played, that doesn't really matter. What really a lot of people are asking is, if this game is put in the situation... Where Georgia can't run the football and they need Stetson Bennett to throw the ball 30, 35 times to win. Is he capable? Is he capable of doing that? I don't know. I can't say I'm a hundred percent sure he is, but if they're asking Stetson Bennett to manage the game and he just has to hand the football off and only throw the ball when need be to keep the defense off balance, then yes, he can. But if Stetson Bennett has to throw the ball and will Georgia to a win, I don't really know. Now, Alabama's pass defense has been criticized all this year. They've been, you know, making a lot of changes in the secondary and whatnot. But their run defense has been really good. As a matter of fact, they have the third best run defense in all of college football, only along 81.9 rushing yards per game. Now, you can take and do whatever with that stat that you want to. You can say, well, JT... Their run defense looks good on paper because everybody just throws the football on them. I can understand that. But you also got to understand that they have one of the best front sevens in all of college football. So when I look at this Alabama defense... The strength and heart and soul of this defense is Will Anderson. You also got Henry Toa Toa. Like, you have a lot of talented guys in this front seven. And a lot of people are talking about how great Georgia's defensive line is and how great their front seven is. But not enough people are talking about just how good Alabama's front seven is. And if Georgia can't run the football in this game, then a lot of things change because Georgia has pretty much dominated everybody they played. They've had success running the ball on every single body they played. They've never been put in a situation where their back has been against the wall and they've had to throw the ball to win. So what if George is put in that situation for the first time this year? And I don't think that George is going to come in offensively and steamroll Alabama like they've done a lot of teams this year on the offense side of football. I feel like Alabama's going to come in and their defense is going to hold strong. So for me, I like when people say this game is going to be a blowout in George's favor. I can understand why. Because Alabama defensively in the secondary has a lot of holes. And you look at the offensive line of Bama versus the defensive line of Georgia. Obvious mismatch. But I feel like Alabama's defense is going to keep them in this game And Alabama is also really good at getting pressure on the quarterback also. They're third in America in sacks per game. Like A lot of people are talking about just how great this Georgia defense is, and they're nitpicking this Alabama secondary. They're basically saying Alabama's defense isn't good because their secondary isn't good, but they're overlooking a lot of the strengths of Alabama's defense. Their pass rush is really good, and they're really good against the run. And if Alabama is going to pull off the upset, and they're going to win, in this game the first thing they're going to have to do defensively is make sure that they shut down the running game of georgia and force stetson bennett to beat them throwing the football let stetson bennett prove to not only you but all of them all of america All of the college football world that he has what it takes to elevate Georgia to a national championship. That he can go toe-to-toe with some of the superstar quarterbacks in college football. Because when you look at all of the quarterbacks who have won national championships from Deshaun Watson, going back to, heck, Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, all the quarterbacks who have a lot of success in the playoffs of college football, all are considered to be above average or elite quarterbacks. Stetson Bennett, we look at him as average, maybe a slightly above average. So for Alabama, the first thing you have to do is you got to make sure that you're shut down that run game of Georgia and you got to force Georgia to beat you through the air. Second. You got to be able to find a way to get the ball out fast and get the ball out to Jamison Williams out in space because that's your best weapon offensively. Now, the run game, I know Alabama's kind of thin at running back. We don't know the status of Brian Robinson. He has a lower body injury, most likely a hamstring injury. He's questionable, currently listed as day-to-day according to Nick Saban, but Even if he does play or even if he doesn't play, I don't really think that's going to matter all that much because nobody has had success running the football on Georgia all this year. And I strongly doubt that that Alabama's going to be the first team to have success running the ball on Georgia because their offensive line is kind of already at a mismatch advantage because if you're going to win this game, it's not going to be on the ground. And you can try to establish the run game, but I don't really think they're going to have that much success so they're probably if they are going to win this game they're going to have to do it with Bryce Young so how do you game plan JT when you're at a disadvantage up front because I tell you guys football hasn't changed that much like a lot of people try to make it out this be okay at the end of the day you got to be able to win up front if you want to win And for Alabama, they're going to have to be able to find a way to somewhat try to hold their own up front. Now, I don't know how they're going to do that. Maybe you leave a couple of extra guys in the block. Maybe you block your running back put another tight end there and maybe you limit how many receivers you are you have on the field and put a little bit more protection maybe you go in max protection mode i don't know but for alabama they're gonna have to find a way to slow down that georgia pass rush now bryce young does have a lot of mobility so he's really hard to bring down because he's so slippery so you got that's going to help them out a lot also but I think the game plan probably is going to be trying to get the ball out on some bubble screens, get the ball out fast, get in the rhythm, and then try to take some shots downfield with Jamison Williams. But overall, I mean, I've never seen a game on paper where Alabama has looked like they're a team that they're just at such at a disadvantage because, like, I can understand if Alabama's secondary isn't great, but their offensive line going against a defensive line like Georgia, huge disadvantage. And there's only really so much you can do The game plan for not having a great offensive line. At the end of the day, you're still going to have to need your guys to hold strong and give your quarterback time to throw the football no matter what you do. Because there's going to come situations where you just can't and dump your way down the field. You're going to have to rely on your offensive line to give you time to throw the football downfield deep. So, I'm taking Georgia to win this game. I think they win this game 17 to. 24 is going to be my final score prediction in this game I don't think that this is going to be a blowout no matter how bad the offensive line for Alabama performs the reason why is because I think that a lot of people are overlooking just how good Alabama's defense is just because they've had some struggles in the secondary well not some struggles they've had a lot of struggles in the secondary you look at what Arkansas did but Alabama is going to play their best game of the season. They're going to come out with something to prove. They see the media talk. They see a lot of people doubting them. Like, this is going to be their Super Bowl. Just like how Auburn played the game of the year against Alabama last week in the Iron Bowl, just like how Arkansas played one of their best games against Alabama a couple of weeks ago, Alabama's going to play their best game against Georgia. I promise you that. I would be extremely surprised if Georgia just blows out Alabama by more than three possessions. Now, if, if Georgia beats Alabama by, like, two touchdowns, I wouldn't be surprised. But if they just blow out Alabama and this game isn't competitive at all, I would be extremely shocked. But I think that Alabama's defense is going to be able to keep them in this game because I don't really think that the passing attack of Georgia should be anything that Bama fans should be afraid of. The rain game should scare you. But if your defense can slow down the run and Stetson Bennett has to do a little bit more throwing the football, then you definitely like your chances. But I'm going to have to take Georgia simply for the fact that you can really make up for the big differential when it when you compare the offense Offensive line of Alabama to the behemoths that they're going to be blocking and Georgia. So I'm going to take Georgia to get the victory. We got the Big 12 championship game, 10-2 Baylor taking on 11-1 Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State goes into this game right now as a six-and-a-half point favorite. This game is going to be played on ABC this Saturday with a 12 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. Oklahoma State got a huge win against Oklahoma last week, 37-33 to in Lincoln Riley's last game as the head coach for Oklahoma, and when you look at Baylor, they survived the scare against texas tech last week 27 to 24 now i know there's going to be a good amount of oklahoma state fans out there who are going to say man jt baylor doesn't have a chance first of all because they barely beat texas tech and second of all because we already beat them the first time we matched up against them earlier in the season week five oklahoma state came up on top in that meeting 24 to 14 now I want to debunk those two narratives that Oklahoma State fans are probably going to throw at me in the comment section. Baylor is a better football team now than what they were week five. Same thing with Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's offense wasn't really all that impressive. It's pretty much the Jalen Warren show, but his offense has kind of picked things up. Spencer Sanders still is Spencer Sanders. You still don't really trust him all that much, but you know he's a lot better now than the way he was when the season first started. Now, that Texas Tech game was a game that worried head coach of Baylor. Dave Aranda a lot he alluded to this he said that you know it's easy to get caught up and looking forward to the big troll championship game and that Texas Tech game was going to be kind of tight for them on top of that they didn't want to play Jerry Bohannon because he was dealing with an injury he did suit up the play he was warming up but they ended up going with their other quarterback who performed pretty solidly so that Texas Tech game was kind of you know Baylor you know going to struggle because that was their final regular season game and Dave Aranda kind of alluded to that but he was still happy with how his team performed now when you look at the last time these two teams matched up on the field Oklahoma State's defense pretty much pummeled Baylor and you got to remind you that Oklahoma State's defense played a great game despite the fact that Spencer Sanders chalked up three interceptions in their first matchup so imagine how good this Oklahoma State defense could be this game if you don't have Spencer Sanders turn the football over as many times as he did in their last affair now Baylor's defense is also really talented we always talk about how great Oklahoma State's defense is and we're going to get to them in a little bit but Baylor's defense is really good and if you are a Oklahoma State fan what should concern you the most is how good this Baylor defense is against the run they have the 18th best run defense in the nation. A lot rushing yards per game. So you look at what Baylor did against Oklahoma not too long ago, and you look at this is the same Oklahoma team that got shredded, well, shredded Oklahoma State's defense last week and Bedlam by Kennedy Brooks. Kennedy Brooks dominated Oklahoma State's defense. I was really surprised how much success Oklahoma had on the ground last week on this Oklahoma State defense. 22 carries for 139 rush yards, 6.3 yards per attempt. Meanwhile, Baylor shut down this Oklahoma offense and this Oklahoma ring game. So, I would be really concerned if I am a Cowboys fan in this game because your most reliable playmaker on offense for Oklahoma State this year has been running back Jalen Warren. Last week, he had 17 carries from 56 rush yards and one touchdown versus OU. The last time these two teams matched up, he had 125 rush yards, 36 carries, and two touchdowns. It pretty much was the Jalen Warren show. So I'm pretty sure Dave Aranda and his staff are going to make sure they put the full court press on making sure that they do not allow Jalen Warren to have the imprint and this rematch like he did in their first go around so they're probably going to go in and go all out and if I was Dave Aranda I probably would say hey this is what we're going to do we're going to sell out on the run and we're going to force Spencer Sanders to prove to us that he can the star on the football downfield and that leads me to my next talking point Spencer Sanders will Spencer Sanders not lose this game for Oklahoma? State because every time I watch Oklahoma State it feels like most of the time they always win in spite of Spencer Sanders versus winning because of Spencer Sanders playing well now Spencer Sanders I understand why he's a starter like I all this year have been trying to figure out Why does Oklahoma State continue to go with Spencer Sanders at QB? You mean to tell me you don't have no better options? Well, Spencer Sanders is a really good athlete, and I really think that his legs are going to be heavily utilized in this game. His athleticism was a big reason why Oklahoma State won last week against Oklahoma. He had 93 rushing yards on the ground and a rushing touchdown. And they're probably going to rely on his legs in this game if Baylor ends up putting all their emphasis on trying to slow down Jalen Warren so they're going to need Spencer Sanders to make sure that he's able to still keep the run game afloat using his legs and also on top of that when it comes to picking up yardage when plays break down he also has a really good arm but he's really inaccurate and his decision making is really questionable at times so for Baylor You pretty much got to just stop the run and force Spencer Sanders to beat you because the more he throws the football, the more opportunities you have at forcing a turnover. And for Oklahoma State, you probably want to see Spencer Sanders throwing the ball as least as possible. Because that's not really a great game plan asking him to have to throw the football on a really great Baylor defense. Now, Oklahoma State's defense has been playing at a top five level all this year. I believe that this is a top three, at worst, top five defense that... Mike Gundy has put on the field this year they had six sacks last week against Oklahoma even though they got shredded on the ground they were really good getting off the field on third down they have the best third down defense in all of college football they don't allow their opponents to convert on third down 23.72 percent of the time which is outstanding and when you look at Baylor a team that is pretty balanced in terms of their philosophy they can beat you on the ground they can also. Leads you through the air, but I feel like against better opponents, most of Baylor's success has come on the ground. You think about what Abra, what Abram Smith did. All this year, 1,366 rushing yards, 12 TDs, 6.4 yards per carry. You also got Tristan Ebner, who has 748 rushing yards and two TDs on the year. And you look about, you think about how much success that Baylor had running the football against Oklahoma not too long ago. I feel like they're going to have to repeat that recipe if they're going to be able to beat Oklahoma State, because when you look at Oklahoma State, I feel like the strength of this defense is definitely the pass rush. They have multiple guys on this defense who can get after the quarterback and cause a lot of chaos, so I feel like their best chance of winning this game is going to be on the ground, and you saw what OU did last week on the ground, especially with the fact that you're probably going to have Jerry Bohannon in this game playing, you also got to take into account what he's able. To do with his legs so that's also going to help out the run game so I feel like Baylor is probably going to have a better day running the football versus passing the football on this defense and I don't really think it's a great recipe trying to throw the ball on this Oklahoma State defense feel like you got a better chance of running the football and I feel like the same can be said when you've when the roles are reversed I feel like for Baylor offensively well Baylor defensively I feel like the strength of this defense 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 for Baylor is stopping the run and I feel like for Oklahoma State you're probably gonna have to try to find a way to run the football and make sure that you're able to stay balanced because I really feel like if you ask Spencer Sanders to have to throw the ball a lot in this game you're putting yourself at risk of losing this matchup because I don't really trust him all that much now How healthy is quarterback for Baylor Jerry Bohannon? Because he's been dealing with a hamstring injury. And it was kind of weird because he was dressed up. He was warming up against Texas Tech. But they ended up going with Blake Shepin, who is their backup quarterback. And he played very well against a not all that bad Texas Tech team I know Texas Tech has had a lot of things going on but that was a really tough spot especially when you look at Baylor they are probably looking ahead to this game here which is another reason why that game was as tight as it was but you can't judge a team's performance based on previous weeks because every week is different every week could have a different outcome look at the Iron Bowl that was played this past weekend I don't think Nobody saw Auburn taking Alabama in the four overtime periods. So the team I'm going to take to win, I'm going to have to go with Oklahoma State. I've been riding with Oklahoma State all this year, and nothing's going to change in this game. The reason why I'm rolling with Oklahoma State is because I really like their defense. And on top of that, I feel like even though Baylor is really good against the run I feel like Spencer Sanders his ability to run the ball off his legs is going to be the different I also feel like this is going to be a defensive slugfest probably going to be moderate scoring I don't think we're going to have you know like a six to three score or anything like that but I really like Oklahoma State because you look at how good they are getting pressure on the quarterback and I feel like this game is going to come down to which of these two quarterbacks, either Spitz or Sanders or Bohannon, is going to be able to make the big throws when it matters. And I'm probably going to have to slide with... Oklahoma State even though I'm not really a big fan of Spencer Sanders I just feel like the Oklahoma State defense is a lot better than Baylor's defense and a lot of Baylor fans are probably going to disagree with that they probably are going to feel like these two defenses are pretty much dead even which I can understand that but in passing situations it'll probably be a little bit more easier to throw the ball on Baylor's defense versus being able to throw the football on Oklahoma State's defense when you look at how great their front seven is when it comes to getting consistent pressure on a quarterback so i'm going to take oklahoma state to win this game 20 to 13 is going to be my final score prediction for this matchup the last game we have to talk about the big 10 championship game we have 11 and 1 michigan taking on 10 two iowa michigan enters this game as a 10 and a half point favorite this game is going to be played on fox 8 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. Michigan got one of the biggest wins in their program this past weekend when they defeated Ohio State 42 to 27 and Iowa defeated Nebraska 28 to 21. Now, I'm pretty sure a lot of you guys who are watching this preview probably don't watch a lot of Iowa football. And a lot of you guys are probably going to say, JT, what is this Iowa team? What is their identity? Well, They have a lot of defense, a great defense, and zero offense. So if you were rating... Iowa and you were kind of like rating them, giving them an overall. Their offense probably would be a 65 overall and their defense probably would be a 95 overall. And Iowa has one of the best defenses in all of college football. I don't care what the stats show you, this defense is great when it comes to taking the ball away. Their fourth in takeaways, they have a stingy secondary. They're also 10th in America on points per game allowed. The line 17.3 points per game they're 11th in yards per game allowed, they're 38th against the pass, they're 11th against the run, like, this is a really outstanding defense, and this defense would be even better if the offense wasn't going through and out every drive, so all you really really need to know about Iowa football, if you're a Michigan fan, is that this defense is really good, this offense is isn't really anything. As a matter of fact, we don't even know who's going to be the starting quarterback for Iowa in this game. Now, Spencer Petrus has been the starting quarterback for Iowa for the majority of this season, but he missed the previous two games before the Nebraska game that they won this past weekend. Before this Nebraska game, he missed their last two games. Now, he ended up Coming back in the second half of that Nebraska game, he played pretty solidly. He didn't really do anything outstanding. He just did what he needed to do to put Iowa in a position to win the game. Now they have another quarterback and Alex Padilla. I'm sorry if I mispronounce his name, but he was the starting quarterback for the Hawkeyes during um Spencer Petra's absence when he was battling that injury. He played the first half under center for Iowa. Um, against Nebraska, six of 14, 76 passing yards. He got sacked twice. He's a little bit more dynamic than Spencer Petrus. You know, he's not, you know, nothing crazy. He's not like a Makovic or Lamar or anything like that, but he's pretty, he, he's a little bit nimble, way more nimble than what you get out of Spencer Petrus. But overall, I don't really think that, you know, whoever's starting that quarterback gets them a big disadvantage. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Iowa will run a two quarterback quarterback system in this game, because really, I don't really feel like starting either one really gives you a big advantage at all. It probably will give you a disadvantage. So I think they're probably going to end up going with Spencer Petras. I'll be surprised if he doesn't start. But if he doesn't start, then, hey, I don't really think quarterback is going to be a main deciding factor in this game because if I was going to win this game, they're going to win it because, first of all, their defense forced several turnovers, and, two, their defense gave their offense a short field. So then... You're going to be asking yourself... Okay, does Iowa have any playmakers on offense, JT? They have one. His name is running back Tyler Goodson. and He happens to be one of the best running backs in the Big Ten and one of the more underrated running backs in America on the year. He has ran for 1,101 rushing yards, six touchdowns on 238 carries. So Tyler Goodson is probably going to get a lot of workload. He's probably going to get around 35 touches. They're probably going to run him a lot because that's really the only way they can really move the ball downfield. Now, that's going to be tough to do because Michigan on the other hand has one of the best defenses in all of college football they're good against the run, they're good against the pass so I'm pretty sure Jim Harbaugh is probably going to say, you know what, we're not going to let Tyler Goodson dictate the outcome of this game. We're going to force Iowa to have to beat us with whoever they have starting at quarterback. But Iowa's defense is going to have to come up big. They're going to have to force some turnovers. They're also going to have to come up big when it comes to special teams. Maybe they get a punt return or anything like that. But if you're an Iowa fan... One thing that you know for sure is that I will should be able to stick around with Michigan in this game. Michigan is a team that is built to be in one-possession games, okay? Like, Jim Harbaugh wouldn't have a problem if this game ended up being a one-possession game. This game isn't a game that, you know, you expect Michigan to just come in and dominate because Iowa's defense is so good that they're going to keep them around for a couple of quarters. Now, if you're a Michigan fan, you don't want this game to be a one-possession game going into the fourth quarter because I wouldn't want a team like Iowa A team that struggles offensively in a one-possession game, all they really need is one play and a lot of things can change. That's all it takes. One play. So I wouldn't want a team like Iowa hanging around the fourth quarter. If you're Michigan, you probably want to go into the fourth quarter up two possessions. Because if Iowa gets down by more than two possessions at any point of this game, it's pretty much over. Because then you can't even attempt to run the football. You gotta throw the ball to get back into the game, and then you're gonna pray you're gonna play right into the hands of Michigan. And what is Michigan's strength? On their defense, their defensive line. You got Aiden Hutchinson, who alone by himself had three sats against Ohio State. So I'm pretty sure if this guy had three sacks against Ohio State, I don't really think Iowa's pass protection is really going to stand a chance slowing down this Michigan Pass rush, so they're probably gonna have to make sure that this game doesn't get out of hand and that they're able to find a way that they're never down by more than 10 points so they can still run their offense. Because if this offense does get into the red zone, then they're most likely going to end up kicking a field goal. Because I don't really trust their red zone offense that much, and I'm gonna have a hard time seeing them having a lot of success running the ball on Michigan. So for Michigan. All you really need to do is to do what you've been doing all year. Iowa is probably going to hang around with you for a couple of quarters. They're definitely going to go into this game heavily motivated. Their defense is going to play really well. You might have a tough time running the football on Iowa because Iowa has a pretty good run defense. Their 20th in America in rushing yards per game allowed, a 122.5. So I'm pretty sure that this is going to be a dogfight. they are also kind of... They kind of have a similar mentality as you because they're tough, they're physical, they're nasty up front. Everybody has a mean streak about them. So this game is going to be tough. It's probably not going to be a lot of scoring earlier on, but I am going to take Michigan to come up on top with the victory. I say Michigan wins this game 27-14 to is my final score prediction in this game. And there are a lot of people... Who feel pretty confident about Iowa taking the upset. And I will understand that if Iowa actually had a post of offense. But they haven't really had a post of offense all year. So I find it hard to believe that they're going to score a lot of points on that Michigan defense. So... Even if me saying I was going to score 14 points may be a little bit more generous. And this game is going to be close. But I think Michigan is finally going to be able to break away in the fourth quarter. Because eventually that Iowa defense is going to get gas from the offense going three and out. And not being able to sustain a lot of drives. So that's why I'm going to take Michigan to get the win. So you guys let me know who you guys have winning this game down in the comment section down below. If you are watching this on YouTube. Also make sure that you check out the JT Sports Podcast. Every video that's uploaded on the channel is available in audio format on every single podcasting platform, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts from the JT Sports Podcast is available. I appreciate you guys for listening, watching, and I will see you guys with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. Let's go to the West Coast. We have the Pac-12 Championship game featuring a rematch of 10-2 Oregon versus 9-3 Utah. Utah is a three-point favorite going into this game. This game is going to be played on ABC this upcoming Friday with an 8 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. Now, the last time we saw these two teams play not too long ago, this was a one-sided affair. Utah beat Oregon 38-7, and it was a butt whooping um viewer discretion is advised because what i'm about to talk about is going to be kind of gruesome it's going to be kind of graphic because man Utah just imposed their will on Oregon and their last matchup and I was watching the game with one of my homeboys at his crib and he was like dang man like that running back for Utah Tavion Thomas like he really looks up the part and he stole the show in this last affair that they had 94 rushing yards on 21 carries for three touchdowns so So you got to ask yourself if you're Oregon what are you going to do differently this time defensively because we know that utah isn't really going to change anything offensively because we know what utah is as a football team we know they want to run the ball 11 12 13 personnel they're going to have a lot of heavy sets they're going to have a lot of tight ends in the game and they're just going to try to run the football and try to prove to you that they're a more physical football team than you and that's what happened the last matchup utah was a more physical and more more dominant team up front than Oregon. And that's not something that you really see out of Oregon when it comes to Mario Christian Ball being a former offensive lineman. He puts a lot of emphasis in being really dominant and being really good up front. But the last time these two teams matched up, that wasn't the case. Now, Utah ran for 208 rushing yards as a team and held Oregon to 63 rushing yards as a team. And we both know that the identities of these two teams are going to be the run game. Now, Utah was able to establish it last game, but Oregon wasn't able to establish it last game. And if Oregon's going to get the run game on track, they're going to need Anthony Brown to be a bigger part of the run game. Because he didn't really get all that much involved in the run game and their last matchup. I was kind of disappointed. So in this matchup, hopefully we get some more design quarterback runs. Maybe you throw in the read option in there. But also, Anthony Brown has to play a lot better in this game than he did last time. Last time, he was 17 of 35, 231 pass yards through one touchdown. He was inaccurate on a lot of his passes. He missed on wide open guys. And he just needs to step up and play a lot better if Oregon is going to avoid losing to Utah for a second time. Now, when it comes to defending these 11, 12, 13 personnel sets for Utah, you're going to have to put a lot more heavy guys on the line to counteract that. Maybe you're going to have to try to make your safeties, play closer to a line of scrimmage and play the run. I know that leads you susceptible to play action passes down the middle of the field. But I think if you're Oregon and you're Mario Christian Ball and you're the defensive and coordinator, you can live with Utah beating you with a couple of big plays down the field. i rather Utah have a couple of those big plays versus them just running the ball on y'all game and controlling the time of possession. You're gonna to have to pick your poison And and I think for Oregon, you're probably going to want to have your safeties playing closer to the box unless you have to put some more guys on the line of scrimmage. You got to do something because Utah's game plan, I promise you, is not going to change. It's going to be the exact same game plan they had when they beat you the first time. Because when you're Utah, the game plan doesn't change at all. Because for Utah... All you really have to do is keep going heavy, keep avoiding Kayvon Thibodeau, and keep running the football down Oregon throats until they prove you can stop it. Now, the question is... If Oregon is able to stop the rain game of Utah, then that's where they can really let their pass rushing ability led by star pass rusher Kayvon Thibodeau start to shine because I don't really feel like Utah is a team that is equipped to beat Oregon throwing the football let's say 25, 30 times. So when you look at their quarterback in the last game, he didn't really have to do all that much because all he really had to do was throw a couple of passes to keep the drive alive here and there throw the defense off here and there but outside of that Cam Rising wasn't really asked to do that much he only threw the ball 18 times for 178 yards so for Utah I feel like this team could get in a lot of trouble if Oregon is able to come out and find a way to slow down that running game and forces them to put the ball in the air a little bit more than what they would like to Because once you have to start throwing the football there's really no avoiding Kayvon Thibodeau you can try to double team him you can try to chip him but it's probably not going to work so for Oregon if they're able to slow down this rushing attack then they definitely have a better chance of winning this game than what they did last time and also for Utah Utah kind of was in a different situation than Oregon because the rain game was so effective but what if the game flips compared to what it did last time what if Oregon is the team that's able to have success running the football and Utah is the team that has to throw the ball to win so neither one of these two teams aren't really built to have to beat you throwing the football more than 30 times they would like to limit how many times their QB has to throw the football at max Utah and Oregon probably want their two quarterbacks if you ask their coach probably throwing the football no more than 25 times this game. That's going to be the recipe. So my big takeaway from this game, my big question I have when it comes to keys to this game is going to be which team is going to have more success limiting the other team when it comes to the ground game. On top of that, the red zone defense for Oregon has to step up and it has to be a lot better and Oregon has the 107th worst red zone defense in all of college football Utah's red zone offense did a lot of damage last time they played a lot of the points came inside of that red zone so for Oregon they're going to have to tighten up and the reason for that was what I alluded to earlier with Utah having a lot of heavy 12-13 personnel sets so for Oregon you're going to have to get Utah coming away with field goals in the red zone instead of touchdowns in utah's red zone offense if we're going by the stats isn't really all that great statistically but again when you have one of the worst red zone defenses in college football that's what happens so you got to be better in that area if you're oregon you also have to be better on special teams because utah had a pump return touchdown and i pretty much saw it coming like i just saw I already saw what it was. I think this happened before halftime. So Utah ended up having a big punt return touchdown before halftime. And after that play happened, I pretty much already knew how the game was going. So Oregon pretty much has to be better at all three phases of the game if they're going to be able to beat Utah and win the Pac-12 championship game. Now, for Utah, defensively, Their linebackers played phenomenal, and I believe that their linebackers are going to continue to play phenomenally unless these offensive linemen for Oregon are able to find their ways to get down to them and get down to the second level because that also was another big reason why Oregon didn't have a great time running the football on Utah last game because their linebackers played phenomenally in terms of filling the gaps, filling those holes, and being able to clock those running lanes up for those running backs of Oregon not really being able to do too much, didn't really have all that much daylight. So the team I'm going to take to win this game, I'm going to take... Oregon to win this game. And the reason why I'm going to take Oregon is because I feel like Oregon is not going to lose to Utah twice. I feel like they're going to make the adjustments needed. And on top of that, even though Utah was the more dominant football team, if we're going by a talent, Oregon is a more talented football team all around. So with Mario Christian Ball, his coaching staff should be able to make the adjustments necessary and find a way to win this game. Now, I don't think this game is going to be a blowout. I still think. This game is going to be fairly close, but I'll take Oregon to get the win. 27 to 24 is my final score prediction for this game.